0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Season 1.1, Episode 1 of the Explore, Travel, Capture podcast. I'm your host, Cody McCarty. <laughs> and I'm your nerdy, dorky-ass co-host, Paul Dillon. And you guys are probably wondering, why what, Season 1.1? Well, long story short, we had to remove our old podcast. It was a trial run. And it may become available as like a legacy podcast to a Patreon that we will be launching in the nearest future. So be on the lookout for that. The good news is we,
1: with that trial podcast, we learned a lot. So 1.1 also means like more structure, more community-based content, like everything moving forward is going to be much better than just two guys having a conversation that there's like a sort of theme about photography. So this is all driven from user feedback or community feedback. So we really appreciate it. And please keep that up.
0: Yeah, we have been overwhelmed by the support from the community, and we are very excited for Season 1.1. I don't have... There we go. Look at that. I just uh, wanted to check the time, so that way I can put timestamps. That's right. We're doing timestamps, guys.
1: Yep, we're going to... Again, more structured. We're going to try to have some like skip-to, especially for YouTube stuff. We're just going to have timestamps for things. So if you want to like skip the intros, you want to get to the meat and potatoes. Maybe we're doing a themed podcast. You can get to that stuff if you don't want to hear us ramble. But I mean, hearing us exactly. ramble is like the best part, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I realize a lot of people might not know this. Uh, who are we? Let's start with you, Paul. Who are you? I'm a nobody. <laughs> you're you're I, somebody
1: I am a nobody in the photography word, but world, but I just happen to have a passion for astrophotography and even more so now um, But it started with my love for landscape photography and when I met Cody that really solidified Which we'll get into in a little bit, but that really solidified my love for photography
0: Yep. And uh, Paul, you are definitely a very talented photographer. He takes amazing images. He's underselling himself. Thank you. He is fantastic. I can't stress that enough. I legitimately have, I deal with imposter
1: syndrome a lot, even on this podcast, like to our legacy stuff, like we've had a few guests on and like, not only just with them, but with you, like your business is around photography and videography. I mean, more so videography, but like I'll be perfectly honest with you and raw in the moment. Like there's times when it's just you and I talking like today's podcast. Sometimes I get imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm not good enough. Like, who am I? What do I bring to the table? But I, I do bring a lot to the table and I, I have to often like take a step back and remember that stuff.
0: Yep. I think the best advice that we got from Josh when we talked with Josh was that be so busy and work so hard that you don't have time to to feel that imposter syndrome. Right. Which is like, you know, I feel imposter syndrome too, and I'm doing this full-time. So getting into it, my name's Cody McCarty. I am a full-time filmmaker out here in Orlando, Florida. I film weddings, I do commercial work and I try to make these YouTube videos for several different YouTube channels and I work with some bigger YouTubers to help them with their channels. So like anything and everything to stay busy. Yeah, I mean so I'll go in a little bit deeper. I think
1: you know Cody remind me, hey, like people still need to know who I am. Uh, I technically have a full-time job. I work 40 hours a week, sometimes more than that. So I often spend my days off either going to Joshua Tree or some, you know, national park in the area to try to shoot Astro. Um, But I'm also shooting, you know, I have a love for time lapses and stuff. And we will share where to find each other later on here. So if you're a first-time listener, A, thank you for joining in. Thank you for listening. But B, you'll be able to find our social media and how to get a hold of us here in a little bit.
0: Yeah, we're going to have everything linked down below. We're working on that right now. Um, So let's see. Timestamp, 550. Man, dude, time is flying. What the heck? (laughs) Um, So I have the little explanation why we made Explore Travel Capture here. Um, Just getting into it, me and Paul, incredibly passionate about travel and uh, filmmaking. And I know that we wanted to work together and we used to do, what, three, four times a month we would go out and we would travel someplace in nature and capture it and film something together. Yep. Yeah, and honestly, we have gotten some amazing uh, people who have reached out to us saying we inspired their own travels, and that was such a heartfelt and warming thing, hearing that we got to inspire the people. I got Paul kind of infected with the travel bug, Mm -hmm. and I got a best friend out of it. So we said why not let's make something that inspires people to do this and that they can learn and get familiar with this part of I guess travel and and capturing your travels and stuff like that.
1: For sure. I mean, we we both had and still do have separate YouTube channels and like all people who start YouTube channels, we wanted to be like, you know, we we lost track of why we did it, so we started to fall into the doing gear reviews and gear porn videos and the things that got views, but then we, we stopped doing it for the love of it because we were then so focused on trying to get followers and likes and ad revenue and all this, which we're not making money at all on YouTube videos, by the way. But because of that, we then realized like we always had a passion for travel. We've always had a passion for capturing that, those moments and creating memories so Cody and I decided to kind of join forces and do this. And yeah, our, our videos took a hit for views, but we're making the content that we love. And we do, when you do something that you love, people will kind of flock to that. Like to Cody's point, we have expired, inspired a couple of people to go out and shoot and capture. And I've had the, the pleasure of randomly having a conversation with an older lady in Joshua Tree and teaching her astrophotography. That's an amazing feeling. And I like don't, the, I don't think I, that, I'll just finish my point really yeah. quick. But I don't think I could have done that if I was focused on making a gear review video for that trip.
0: Yeah. My my point is like that feeling of like inspiring and connecting with people through our passions is at the heart of what we do. 100%. And like when we did this completely 180 shift and turned my channel into Explore Travel Capture, I was making what I call gear porn videos and They were getting good views, and we were making okay money. And this YouTube channel was seeing significant growth, but it wasn't in line with our vision and our passion. So I decided to hit the reset button. Asked Paul if he wanted to, you know, start this channel together, and we created Explore Travel Capture. It
1: went through some very interesting name changes and logo changes. So for those of you guys that were like really following us then, you've you've seen the journey to Explore Travel Capture. But I mean, with all things, you just have to experiment until you find the thing that works and fits.
0: Yeah. I mean, things take time. Like to build something worthwhile, it takes a good amount of time. And then if you want to travel fast, you go alone. If you want to travel far, you go together. And I couldn't have asked for a better partner with Paul on this. Yeah, I'm still waiting for um, my,
1: good, my best friend. I don't know where he is, but, you know, we'll figure that out one oh, day. Oh,
0: okay, thanks.
1: <laughs> cool, Earlier perfect. you said you got a best friend out of it, and I, I was, like, holding back making that joke, and oh, oh, there you go. Oh,
0: man. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> how we got our start traveling and making travel content, we kind of hit on it, but what started this journey for me was I was always very passionate about camping, And I had bought like a professional camera and I became obsessed with the idea of shooting astro time lapses. And I started probably about five months before I met Paul, going out to different dark sky places and learning how to do astro time lapses and falling head over heels in love with it. And then I invited Paul out to one of our trips, uh, our first trip to Joshua Tree, Mm -hmm. that everything went wrong. (laughs) like everything. Yep. Paul, I have no idea how we ended up going out again together, but like after that trip, the fact that you were like gung ho, let's go again together. Uh I appreciate that and I'm so grateful it happened.
1: Yeah, I mean it even though it was rough and we didn't sleep and it was cold and like literally everything bad happened. My mind and my I was so focused on the good. So I'd always been passionate about landscape photography, always really been into it, but wasn't really like good per se. I had a Canon Rebel T5i at the time, and I would, you know, walk around and take photos of stuff around my neighborhood and try to go out, but I had never really been camping as an adult. And even as a kid, we went, but I was so young, I don't remember those trips at all. I just have the stories that my family tells me. So driving into Joshua Tree late at night, finally seeing the dark skies for the first time actually taking a photo with the shutter speed being slower than like a second, seeing the stars on the back of the LCD blew my mind. And still to this day, I chase that feeling when I take a photo for the first time, whether or not I'm setting up my composition or lighting or settings, seeing that photo on the back of the LCD is what keeps me going. That's like the result of my hard work. And I wouldn't have got into it this hard if it wasn't for you if it wasn't for that trip if it wasn't for the no sleep the shitty feeling but the feelings that i remember are chasing the night sky wandering around laughing like a kid just taking photos of whatever i still have those photos they suck they're just but of they're, random they're memories, stuff right? but they are memories that's exactly yep. what i was going to say
0: and like we we remember the bad but we remember it with like almost nostalgia glasses like mm-hmm. we remember it in a good way so yep. that's like any travel is good travel, whether it's bad or good. It ends up being just great memories. And this kind of leads me into my next point because we ha- we love our memories, but there are things that I think both of us wish we knew when we were first starting out mm-hmm. uh, with our travel and stuff. Yep. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Things that like we, we wish we had started doing from the get-go and figure we could go back and forth. This is probably going to be the bulk of what we talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just start it off. I wish we would have allocated more time at our destinations than just quick overnights. I wish we had started incorporating that more. And instead of just doing quick drive-out after work and come back early the next morning... I wish we would have had at least a couple trips at the beginning where we planned at least two nights.
1: Yeah. Or even like a full day.
0: Yeah. would have definitely
1: helped instead of to your point, you know, get there at nine o'clock, shoot for four hours, try to get sleep, wake up in the morning
0: and go home. Yeah. I mean, they're like, if you are super busy and both me and Paul had full-time jobs at the time, like if you are just super busy and You can't find time to take a couple days to travel. Doing the overnights isn't a bad option, so you can just get out there and see it, you know? Like, what else are you going to do? Like, spend your one day off sitting at home in front of the couch watching TV? Right. Like, yeah. So I do wish we had planned a little bit more for at least spending days there because you talk about our first trip in Joshua Tree. We left right after work you didn't even get to see the park with light on. Like you were too busy looking at the stars, which great, great distraction. But then I remember you driving through in the morning and you turned to me and you were just like, this is all out here. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> and you were just like, this looks like a different planet. And like, I didn't even think, cause I spent a day in Joshua tree. I've done it a few times before taking you. And like, I realized like, Man, this was his first experience, and he didn't even get to really see the park. Right. And uh, that is something that, like, I wish I had learned to take into account, like, seeing the park. Like, yes, go out with the astro vision in mind and to shoot astro, but, like, getting to see the vast, beautiful desert landscape of Joshua Tree, like, during the day, I wish I had planned for that. I'd say it was like a year of us traveling before we actually dedicated like some time to doing more than just Astro. Yeah. Yeah. It did take a little while for sure. Yeah. Anything that you wish we had uh, started earlier or wish we knew at the beginning?
1: Yes, actually. Uh, There's a lot, but I'll start with I'd wish I had invested in decent gear early on, not like amazing gear, spending money like on cameras, but camera gear
0: or, okay,
1: I'll get into it. So for the first probably five or six trips that we went to Joshua tree, I didn't have a tripod. I used the Joby vlogger kind of gorilla bendy tripod thing. And yeah, it did the job, but I could only take photos like a foot off the ground at best.
0: So I'd wish and forget trying to do time lapses with that thing. Like I wouldn't want to leave the camera on that tripod for like, I think you tried it a few times, but I like, do have, do- I have
1: like 10 time lapses, astro time lapses oh, wow. on that tripod, but like that, in, is you know, crazy. a foot off the ground, maybe. So, not, I'm all about using the gear you have, but at some point, if your goal. Is to shoot astrophotography, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money on something. You need a tripod that's not going to like just fall over in the wind or have a freaking like rat run by it and knock it right over, like, or a field mouse or whatever, you know, tarantula even in Joshua Tree.
0: Whatever he got near you.
1: <laughs> so I just, I just wish early on that I had invested a little bit more in gear that kind of aligned with my goals.
0: Um, Speaking of gear though, like not just photography gear, I think it's greatly underestimated how much like sleep, like you need like quality sleep Mm -hmm. when you're out there camping, like investing in like an inflatable pillow or like bringing a pillow and bringing some kind of mat, some kind of like air mat, like a good little quality pad for the ground will vastly improve your sleep and greatly improve how much you enjoy the experience. Yep. Like investing in good shelter and good sleep is arguably more important than bringing the camera gear.
1: Yeah, I mean, to to your point earlier, everything went wrong. Well, things that went wrong were we didn't have any mats, so we slept on the floor. I didn't
0: have zero degree bags.
1: Exactly what I was gonna say. I stopped by Target and got one of those like fifty degree Coleman summer bags.
0: Worst experience ever. It was frozen what was it like 28 degrees at night? Something like that. Like the pillows froze over. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. those pillows were super <laughs> gross though Like I, I have to think like how much sweat was in those damn pillows That like yeah, they had to froze have been moisture, like exactly. solid <laughs> yeah. like, like I immediately got a new pillow too Like that was gross But like you could knock on the pillows And it was like knocking on a wooden door <laughs> Yep. I remember that like we woke up in the middle of the night We, we both were shivering I'm trying to be cool because I'm like I'm the expert You're the Paul's, expert like, Yep. Trusting I'm, look, I'm me, looking at right? you like, for the answer I know. He's like, I'm so cold. I'm like, okay, for you, Paul, we'll go, we'll go in the car. I'll turn on the car and we'll sleep in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Little did I know the next morning that like, I found out one, we had set up our tent on a hiking trail, which is going to be like my next part things. I wish we knew when we started. And two, it was like a super popular area and shouldn't have been set up there. (laughs) Yep. Um, so like invest in quality gear is still something that we could talk about a lot, but I think the next part is like planning your stay. I do want to finish
1: up. So not just tripod, because if, if you're listening to this oh, yeah, and you're yeah. not a travel adventure photographer and you're into portraits, you might want to invest in, I don't know, let's say a reflector or, you know, something like that. So my point is I wish I had invest invested in decent gear that aligned me with my goal. And my goal at the time was to shoot astrophotography. So you don't necessarily need a a quality thing. You you don't necessarily need a tripod for portrait photography, but if you're going to shoot at the beach, you may need, you know, light reflector or something. So that's, that's kind of what I was saying.
0: Yeah. But if you also want to film and document your travels, like a tripod will last you. Like I still had my first quality tripod that I ever had for five years and it still worked perfectly good before I sent it to Frank. Like that tripod lasted me longer than cameras.
1: For sure. I mean, if you're going to be a photographer of any sort, you should have a tripod. But my point is, like, you know, you don't necessarily have to invest in astro gear to shoot portraiture or weddings. But, you know, making need sure that you buy the gear yes. that you
0: want to do yep. the job you want. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, gear is something we could talk about a lot of. So we're trying to keep it. Within our bullet points for this one, if you guys want to email us at explore.travel.capture at gmail.com for topics or questions, like, we will discuss them at length in this podcast. (laughs) But right now, we're trying to stick with, like, beginner stuff right now. So, planning your trip. Now, when I discovered this spot where I set up my tent on the hiking trail in Joshua Tree... The reason I discovered that spot was because whenever I visited Joshua Tree, I would always leave after work, and it would be night by the time I'd get there. So I would just pull on the side of the road and walk down, like, a hiking trail, and I'm like, oh, this is backcountry, this is fine. I didn't look up rules, I didn't look up laws, or anything like that, like I should have. And that led me to... Spending three nights at the same spot every time in front of a very big um, tourist destination in Joshua Tree. And honestly, that, like, one, I could have gotten in big trouble for that. Like, all it took was, like, a park ranger coming by at sunrise and seeing my tent there or even seeing it at night, and, like, that's a big no-no. Two, if you're, like, camping next to a designated hiking trail, you're... Gonna have to set up your tent off of the trail, you know, off to the side, and you could be disrupting like nature or something like that. And three, it's just like you don't know who's gonna pass by in the middle of the night or what could happen in the middle of the night. Like, if you aren't in like designated areas and you don't know what areas are designated properly, you could be putting yourself in danger for sure. Yeah, so like planning and prepping uh, is one of the most important things when you are doing this. And we actually have some tips on how to get the information from the places you visit. Um, and I think we, we should definitely talk about that next. 100%.
1: Um, it, it's a perfect segue from what you were talking about because, A, if you're camping in a national park, you need to do your due diligence of checking to see where you can backcountry camp. Generally speaking, they'll have a board that you can register your car. And rule of thumb is usually a mile from any main road but always check with the place that you're camping at. And if you're somewhere like Alabama Hills, that's like what's called BLM land or Bureau of Land Management, that's usually free range. So if you're going to, to a BLM land, you want to make sure, can you have a campfire? Can you use a camp stove, things that have fire so you don't catch things on fire? So you have to, you have to do your research. And the best way to do that is either A, on a website. So for example, you could go to Joshua Tree National Parks website, or you could always visit the visitor center. The visitor center for anywhere you go, national park or state park wise, is by far the best place to get information on all of that.
0: Even if you looked it up online, this is something that I wish I had done much sooner than I like I ever did. You should always go to the visitor center of a place you're visiting for the first time. Yep. Always. It will greatly benefit you because they're local. They can tell you the best places to visit the best places. Like, you tell them what you have in mind or what you want your experience to be at this destination, and they have, like, a complete game plan for you and backups, and they're locals. Like, they live there. They're paid to, like, explore these places frequently. Yep. So, you get to benefit from their knowledge in what could be a very limited once-in-a-lifetime time window for you to visit these places. So... Yes, do your research online, but 100% make a game plan to just visit the visitor center even for, like, 30 minutes. Like, that is something I 1,000% should have been doing from the get-go. Same. Because I would have learned things like firewood. This is a a thing that a lot of people don't know at the beginning. When you're visiting a place, you, you don't bring wood from another forest or, like, that isn't local because inside that wood, you might be bringing disease or... Uh, viruses that can affect and kill the local life. Sometimes, like, there might be bugs nests in there that aren't local to that ecosystem that could destroy it. There's so many factors to just this one thing of bringing firewood from another place to your destination. And that's something that I didn't learn until a ranger told me. And I I very much, like, if I had gone to a visitor center... I probably would have gotten that information a lot sooner. For sure. And uh, wouldn't have had to lug firewood there and back.
1: Save space (laughs) in the car, uh, for sure.
0: Exactly. Um, So Visitor Center, 100% do it every single time. I think of, like, me and Paul's trip to Blue Lake. Like, that, that was a backpacking trip from hell. We weren't prepared for it. It's probably not going to be the last time we talk about it on this podcast, but what did, what did the person at the visitor center tell us? Like when we were planning on hiking up into the Sierras? Well, the, the rad
1: thing is they, they told us literally everything you could need to know. They told us how long the hike was, what to expect, where to stop for water, where to stop and, and chill and like relax, which places to camp and where to, I mean, they told us everything, everything we yeah, would want and- to know.
0: Like, we were vast, like, we were very optimistic on how far we could actually hike back in a day. Mm -hmm. And because of their information, we knew that, like, Blue Lake, which was the place that we ended up backpacking to, was like the last nice destination for a few miles. And we could make the educated decision to stop there because we were just exhausted, unprepared, and didn't have enough supplies. (laughs) to do anything more. It's a funny story. We definitely, we've talked about it in the legacy podcast, So like, we're not going to beat that one down. We might talk about it again, but like if we didn't have that information from the visitor center, it would have been a very different story. And I could just see helicopters having to be flown in to rescue us or right. something. I mean, it
1: was, it was bad enough with the information we had because of how underprepared we were. So yeah, yep. I can only imagine if we hadn't visited the visitor center and I think that another thing that that's nice from the visitor center, if you've never camped, or maybe you have camped, the learn no trace principle, they can really tell you what that means, how to not leave trash, how to not, you know, bring in ecosystems, like to Cody's point about firewood, like, they'll really drive that in. Because at the end of the day, it's our responsibility as campers to keep that place going. If we just go in there and leave trash and trash
0: things and feed wildlife and do all these things, we're not going to have a place to go camp. And Don't feel bad if you make these mistakes, too. Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't think about the firewood or anything like that. Like, you don't know what you don't know, and that is the point of going to an information center. Yep. Like, Paul is 100% accurate. We can't – we're beating that dead horse right now, and we're just going like, hey, go to the visitor center. So if you take anything from this podcast, it's go to the visitor center. Um, But I think we can get into – one of my next favorite topics, which is going to be like proper outdoor etiquette. And like the first thing that comes to my mind is (laughs) hikers that have speakers on their backpacks. Dude. So annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So like we both have the same opinion. Like when you are hiking, like I can see the comment section of this podcast going absolutely nuts right now. I am 100% team like you don't be blaring your music when you are hiking with a bunch of people around. Yeah. Like that's why headphones exist. If you're with a group of people and you all want to listen to music, pause the music or turn it off when you see other people not part of your group with you and play it softly. Like
1: Yeah, I kind of think the comments are going to be split 50-50 because I'm sure there's people out there like, well, we just want music and stuff. But like a lot of people
0: are out in nature to be out in nature. Exactly. Like it's the point is to escape, but yes. you have to think the people who do that, like the ego on the people who are like, my music selection is so good that everybody <laughs> needs to hear it. It's the same people like, who talk
1: on speakerphone in public and they're like yelling at somebody on speakerphone. Like, why not just put the phone against your ear? Why do you have to like fucking hold the phone and yell
0: at oh everybody? Oh I, uh, I get nervous cause like some of the national parks, like Yosemite are starting to get like cell service. And, like, I, I don't know if you saw this last time, but people were, like, FaceTiming their friends on our hikes. Dude, we had, and like, we had cell phone service in Yosemite at our campsite. I and know. I was watching other guests, like, FaceTime people. And I'm like, dude, like, you're out here to escape. Escape. Yep. Like, that is... So, speakers and, like, any, like, loud auditory things are, like, big pet peeves of mine mm-hmm. when I'm out in nature and stuff. And I... Like the general basis, like if you are an avid nature enthusiast, not a casual one, I think the entire community is of this mindset like you're out there to be peaceful and respectful, don't have like backpack speakers and stuff like that because people who frequent nature, they one hundred percent they're like anti anti speaker
1: yeah i mean you're gonna you you could potentially ruin somebody's trip, but also if you're gonna be camping on the same note with speakers, like ten p m is usually I don't want to say lights out because you don't have to go to bed, but 10 p.m. is like you need to turn off the freaking, you know, headlights of your car. You need to turn off the speakers. You need to kind of keep the sound down like 10 10 p.m. is that time that everybody's trying to like not be super loud. Yeah, because you have to
0: think a lot of people are wanting to wake up early in the morning and and go camping, right? Like or hiking hiking Like when they're camping, Mm -hmm. like they want to wake up early. So being thoughtful of that, I think that's less of an issue, though, because when you're camping, it like. Once the sun sets, it starts to feel really late, like really quickly. Like usually people just unintentionally end up being tired and wanting to shut down at 10 anyways.
1: I can count. I can tell you hundreds of times where people had their music playing until 3 a.m., 1 a.m. Oh, God. It's pretty bad. So I just want to remind certain people that, like, may not know that 10 p.m. is, you know, the unwritten rule that, that... like, you just keep it down after 10 p.m.
0: Well, in popular places, it's a written rule, too. Yeah. It's like, Lights Out is at that time. Speaking of Lights Out, though, another little pet peeve. These These are pet peeves that can easily be corrected, and people can easily make this mistake. I'm not saying if you've done this before, you're a horrible person. I, at one point was that jerk who would go camping with all his friends and be up late listening to to music. So, like, I have been that asshole, and it's okay to grow and learn from it once you know it. This this next little pet peeve is people who drive through campgrounds at night with their high beams looking for a spot.
1: Like, oh, man. For those of you listening, I'm shaking my head because I, I hate that more than anything else. There's nothing worse... To Cody's point, if we have a hike planned in the morning and we're going to wake up before sunrise to be dead asleep at, you know, 11 or 12 and just be lit up in your tent by high beams because somebody doesn't know that, hey, I should probably drive with my with my uh, fog lights on or definitely not speed through the campsite.
0: yeah. I, I, I think everybody like if people aren't watching the podcast on YouTube, they definitely could sense your your frustration with that <laughs> long pause. <laughs> like I've never like you could feel that tension of like, what's Paul about to say? <laughs> it's the most annoying thing in the world. Believe it or not, like your fog lights are enough for you to drive like very slowly through a campground at night.
1: It's super like, dark. You can see with your yeah. fog lights
0: yeah exactly and it's just it's so much more respectful and i like that is something i wish i had thought about earlier unfortunately i didn't learn about the fog light option like i never had my high beams on but i didn't learn about the fog light option until ethan told us about three years ago like that i i've been camping for god over 10 years i'm getting old uh and i only learned that etiquette technique like three years ago yeah so like i'm I'm still learning and still figuring it out and we're trying to be the best that we can be those are like a few of the little things i think the last bit of etiquette is uh smoking and drinking on hiking trails i, I don't think. i don't
1: see that a lot
0: but i mean you like, see in- like
1: beer cans and shit left on the trails which is again you know no no trace principle but I don't think I've ever
0: seen anybody drinking or smoking outside of a campsite. So I'm more talking on hiking trails, like at, like people are out there to get na- like in nature and like they're smoking weed, passing joints around, like while on the hiking trail. I think specifically like Zion, when I was hiking the Narrows, I could smell people smoking cigarettes. Like I watch people passing around weed and stuff, like. I'm not trying to be a parter pooper or anything like that. Like, I don't care if you smoke weed, like if you're at a campground or anything like that, and you just do like a quick little smoke with your friends. But on a hiking trail, the smell of it gives me migraines. Unfortunately, I just have a bad reaction to weed and and smoke and stuff like that. So like, when I'm hiking by people who are doing that, Mm -hmm. I'm now like, forced to inhale this not fresh air and get a headache while hiking on the trail. So usually what I end up having to do is either rush past them or wait and let them keep going forward and just kind of stop.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I also think about like kids and older people and people who are out there to enjoy nature and not, you know, inhale your secondhand smoke.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's another factor. Like I, I wouldn't say like if you have asthma, and you're just trying to enjoy nature and stuff. It's already like a risk for you to go hiking. Mm-hmm. And now there's this added risk of people smoking or doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a little thing that I've experienced. I haven't experienced that as much lately. Like I, I think about our hikes that we've done together and I'm like, that was something I was more experiencing like five, six years ago or in the bigger parks with the easier hikes. Yeah. Yeah. That's typically what I do. Um, so we talked about etiquette and, uh, that was kind of like the last talking point that I had signed up. So like any it's free game now, dude, like it is now like catch up, like how you been, you got any trips coming up?
1: Yeah, dude. Yes. I just came back. I'll save the details for this trip for our next episode, but I just came back from using the star tracker for the first time. Um, up until this Ooh, point, I think I think you and I both have shot Astro for like maybe
0: f- five, four, five, six years at this point. So I started filmmaking five years ago, so I picked up astrophotography about three months after that. So we're coming right up on five years. Okay,
1: yeah, five years, and I I've, I've finally stepped my game up and bought a star, star Tracker, and I am obsessed. I cannot wait to go out. So New Moon is April 30th and May 1st. I have those days off already. In fact, I have every new moon off until the end of this year. So I plan to go out and shoot every single new moon and I have some very big goals, very big ideas. I am kicking myself in the ass for this. I will share the photo of this flower that I, so I had an idea in Joshua Tree and I'm really upset that Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. There was a cactus because it just rained and there was a flower in the middle of the cactus and I had totally planned to take that photo portrait with the Milky Way kind of rising behind it. And I took the photo photo on my phone so I would remember the angle and I forgot to do it. And I'm a little upset. But I have ideas Dang. like that that I still want to achieve and do, so.
0: That's really exciting. So the reason Paul says we'll bring this up next time is one of our listeners had emailed us wanting a full dedicated astrophotography episode of the podcast. And we plan on getting really into it. So like, If you aren't familiar with, like, what a star tracker is or why Paul is saying he has every new moon off to shoot astrophotography, the next episode is going to cover all of that. So everything you need to know to photograph the night sky is coming up. So that is going to be a very exciting episode. I
1: guess, I mean, it it depends on how, like, in the weeds we want to get with astrophotography. I can just talk about why... It took me two to three days to edit (laughs)
0: the the Star Trek photos. Oh, my God. So basically what Paul is talking about is his he gets so meticulous about his astrophotography of the night sky that he layers several images on top of each other. And the thing about the night sky is the Earth is moving very fast and nothing stays in its exact place. Mm -hmm. So like every 20 seconds he takes a photo and the stars are now in a different spot. So when he's stacking these photos he has to align the little dots that are stars together. Now there's software that'll do this for him but Paul is a glutton for punishment and does it himself. So he's manually aligning these pinpoint (laughs) dots in the sky, spending hours doing it and then he has to like mask around it like if there's wind or something like that and like the tree leaves move he has to now draw these super fine lines around the moving limbs is that what you'd say or leaves
1: so here's here's what made it difficult first and foremost yes photoshop starry landscape stacker um shit i can name like five other ones they have software that will align the stars or pixels but there's nothing on earth that does it better than you manually Like, you can do a side-by-side, and it just looks so much better when you do it manually. But here's what's difficult. Using a star tracker, it it tracks the night sky as it moves. So therefore, the foreground move uh, is just basically a blurred mess. So if you can imagine a picture of a tree with one photo, it's not really bad, but 10 photos that have tracked the night sky to move, now you have this blurry mess. So it's not as easy as just aligning a still photo of a tree and aligning a a blurry photo of a tree and masking in the tree that is in focus.
0: Okay, the funny thing, though, is, like, what triggered it? Like, I just did, I Googled something, a fun fact to share with the audience on my computer, and as soon as, like, I opened this web browser, um, like, my Bluetooth headphones powered off and disconnected. Damn. My, My, like, Wi-Fi, like, we disconnected. And do you know what I Googled? what i was just googling how fast the earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour so that I, no it is uh rotating uh 1037 miles per oh you, you were right you're right yeah it's so thousand miles
1: I'm, an hour which is which is basically 23 hours it's like just a hair under 24 hours is a full rotation
0: Okay, At Paul. A miles an hour. You're you're smarter than me. Okay, <laughs> okay. You're you're smarter than me. I I caused this little hiccup in our almost perfect podcast to share a fun fact that Paul already knew. <laughs> so uh, apparently,
1: I put FaceTime to sleep with the story of my star tracking, and Cody's camera just basically gave up on me.
0: I'm very curious to see how that gets edited because like I was like talking going like, Hey Paul, I think I lost you. Like I'll just cut to myself
1: and then cut back to you trying to impress me with how fast the earth was rotating. And then I already knew.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, So I'll basically
1: wrap it up here. It was a, it was a pain in the ass to edit, but this trip taught me so much more about what to like, how to set up a photo for star tracking, settings, all of this stuff. So generally I take 20 second exposures at F2.8 with ISO 6400. The star tracker gave me the ability to do two minute exposures at F4.5 with an ISO setting of 1000. So there's so little noise in these photos and so much more detail in these photos with the star tracker. And that, seeing the photo on the back of the LCD like I talked to in the beginning, fucking blew my mind and there's so much detail and so little noise that it's that types of stuff the the reward for my hard work that is already getting me excited for the trip at the end of the month
0: i'm very excited for that um because of like our little hiccup i think we're getting to the point where we're going to wrap up our first podcast yep I feel really good about this. I do too. I'm um, looking
1: forward to season 1.1. Everything's going to be a little bit more structured. There's going to be more information instead of, you know, there's going to be a little bit of us rambling, but just more structured and information.
0: Yeah, we definitely learned a lot. And that's that's the goal, right? Like yep. to learn and to improve and to just get better. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's always the goal in life with everything that you do. Like you're always trying to get better.
1: Yeah, you just got to learn from yourself, learn from others around you. I often say iron sharpens iron. That essentially means that like Cody does something that inspires me and vice versa. And we help each other grow. We give each other feedback on every single one of the videos that we post. It's always I would not be the
0: filmmaker today if I did not have Paul pushing me like that. So it is very helpful and useful. And these conversations, even if nobody decides to listen to them, they're just super meaningful to us, I think. Yep. I think that's a safe bet. Now, if you guys want to see our content outside of Explore Travel Capture, you can definitely follow us along. We have our YouTube channels linked down below. And then I'm not really on Instagram right now, but I'll have our Instagrams linked down below too. And you guys can follow along on our own journeys there. And then... We plan on doing some big travel videos on Explore Travel Capture. For sure. I,
1: often, yeah. I post more stories than I do photos, but I'm getting better at it. Like, if you're curious to the behind the scenes of me shooting an photo, I'm generally doing some kind of, like, BTS stuff on Instagram stories just to show people, like, you know, I don't know, settings, locations, how I plan out shots, things like that.
0: I do, like, these weird vlogs about my life, like, because <laughs> I think I'm Casey Neistat, so, like, that's what I focus on. Just fun little videos, but... Uh, that concludes our first episode, season 1.1, man. Like, great update. Paul, amazing conversation. Always, dude. I, I love it, and, uh, I'll see you next week. Take care. Peace.